This Saturday we have the story of Jesus sending out the 72 and Luke 10, Luke chapter 10 verses uh, 1 to 24. Uh, starting with verse 1. And after these things the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Notice the Lord appointed 70 and sent them out before him. So this is not just the apostles. You have 12 apostles, but this is not just the apostles. This is 70 uh, of those who followed him. And so in a sense, you can see that it's not just the pastor. It's not just the leaders in the church whom the Lord prepares and sends out to share his word, but that it's really what all of us are supposed to be doing. And our whole life should be about Jesus. We all have individual callings and individual responsibilities, individual tasks, but whatever we're doing, wherever we're going, uh, we should always keep Christ at the center and before us. And we should, as Paul reminds us, be always ready to give a defense, always ready to speak about the hope that is within us so that when an opportunity comes up, you know, uh, we're right there with a, with an opportunity to share Christ's love and his protection and, and other things as well. Uh, very few people are, or very often in, in our day, and people aren't re really very willing or ready to talk about and share their faith. And Satan's really winning the battle on that front. He, he's making us think that it's it's inappropriate to talk about Jesus outside of church is the mindset of, of too many people. Uh, but Jesus sends us all out. It's not just the pastor, but we got 70 people he's sending out two by two into every city where he himself was about to go. So that they're going out before him uh, to share his word. Verse 2, then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Most of the Sunday school kids, most of you guys are very familiar with farming, how much hard work goes into it before the harvest is ready. And you have to do the planting, you have to do the weeding, you have to take care of it, you have to make sure it gets watered, you got to put the pesticide down. There's so much hard work before the harvest is ready. And then finally the harvest is ready and you got to get out there and you got to bring it in. Well, Jesus reminds us, oh, we don't have to do any of that work. We don't have to do any of the preparation, all that hard work to get it ready. He says the field is there. It's ready. People are waiting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's it's really an invitation. Jesus is saying, look, why are you holding back? Why are you afraid to engage in this work? Uh, why are you worried that, that, there's, that no one wants to hear or that uh, you're, you're not going to know what to do? The Lord says, I have already prepared my elect. I have already prepared the world for the gospel. All you got to do is go out and bring it in. And we know the reality that maybe it doesn't seem like that because we, we talk about Jesus, we share our faith, and, and maybe it seems like no one really wants to hear, nobody really wants to listen. Uh, but the truth is that there is very much a need. And it's true, a lot of people have shut their hearts uh, to the gospel and to Jesus Christ. But it's also true that there is very, very much a need uh, that the Lord has prepared the world with the preaching of the law, with the 
with the uh, all the problems and tribulations of the world uh, the people are looking for answers they're looking for comfort they're looking for a god like the god that we know and love and you know all we got to do is go out there and share it it's not rocket science here we don't have to be albert einstein in order to do this all we have to do is speak about jesus gather the harvest in and of course it's it's not our work it's the lord's work uh, so he's going to be right there with us. And that's really emphasized there in verse 2 also. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few, few. Therefore, what are we to do? Jesus doesn't say, therefore, get out there and bring the harvest in, which is it's kind of like kind of what I was talking about before. But, um, but what does he say? He says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So it's not going to do us any good to go out on our own, uh, but only those whom Jesus sends. Now that doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean we're just talking about pastors here, uh, and or pastors and teachers are the only ones, or missionaries that are the only ones that are Jesus is sending. What Jesus is really getting at is, you know, pray that the Lord would send out harvesters and you know, when you're praying about that, you're going to realize, oh, Jesus is calling me too. Jesus is sending me too. Even if I, even if it's not as a pastor, it's in some other way. And you get down and you pray, Lord, there's a real need out there. And through that prayer, a lot of times the Lord opens your own heart and gives you what you need to go out and to preach. But it's got to come from the Lord and it's the Lord's work and he's doing it for us. So you always have to start, of course, with prayer. Verse 3, go on your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Uh, so Jesus isn't criticizing us. And, you know, as a kid, um, this little bit of name calling here, right? It, <laughs> uh, someone says, oh, you're just a weakling. You know, immediately you feel insulted. That's kind of what Jesus is, or, you know, that's kind of what Jesus is saying here, but it's not as an insult. He wants us to be lambs. He wants us to be as harmless as lambs. We shouldn't... Uh, try to win people to, to Christ by being wolves, uh, by tricking and deceiving and devouring. No, 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 we, we should be lambs. But at the same time, he warns us that uh, as much as we strive to live according to his word, uh, to be kind and loving, others are going to take advantage of that. We recognize that that's the truth of the world that we live in. Uh, and we, we pray to the Lord for it and be smart about it but also do our best to remain as lambs uh verse four carry neither money bag knapsacks nor sandals greet no one along the road but whatever house you enter first say peace to this house and if a son of peace is there your peace will rest on it if not it will return to you and remain in the same house eating and drinking such things as they give for the laborer is worthy of his wages do not go from house to house so the lord is preparing the 70 for the work that is going to be the work of the church after he rises and then ascends into heaven uh, it's going to be the work of the apostles but it's not just the apostles and when we were going through the book of acts we saw that the first couple chapters talked about the apostles but then very quickly you heard about other people who weren't apostles going out and sharing the word and and you heard about how the lord worked through them and so you have examples of um, Stephen, the first martyr, who was not an apostle. Uh, you have uh, the example of Philip, again, who was not Philip the apostle, but Philip the, the elder, one of the elders of the church in Jerusalem, and how the Lord brought him down, and he talked to the Ethiopian eunuch. 
So he's preparing these 70 uh, for the work of the church, sharing the message of, of the gospel, and, and the 12 are there as well, uh, but it's more than that. And in the preparation, one of the biggest lessons he wants them to learn is not to worry about how how are we going to do this? How are we going to take care of ourselves? We can't go there. We can't do that because we don't have the money to do that or we don't have, you know, we don't have the earthly whatever that we need to do that. He says, you go out and let me worry about getting providing you with food. Let me worry about these earthly things. I, the Lord, will take care of you as you go out. You just go out and preach the word and, and I'll take care of the rest. And so you don't need to take a money bag. You don't need to take a knapsack or sandals. Um, but you just go out sharing God's word and I'll take care of you. And there, and there, um, one of the fruits of faith for a missionary, for an evangelism, for, you know, especially a traveling evangelism, one of the fruits of faith there is you go to the house, the first house that accepts you, you stay with them. You don't worry about if it's the richest house and then later maybe the, a richer person comes and starts coming to church and you don't, oh, I, you know, I'd rather go stay at your house. Uh, no, whoever accepts you first, that's where you stay and the Lord is providing for you there. You don't have to worry about it. You can remind the kids of the Sunday school lesson of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. Uh, how the Lord sent Elijah up to that widow's house and then the Lord took care of Elijah and the widow through it. And that's, uh, of course, one of the challenges for our mission helpers uh, or for our missionaries in general when we go overseas. Uh, we're in these strange foreign countries and uh, we're, we're going from place to place and eating food that we're not used to, especially in India. It was really hard because they just half the you know they they they'd have a cup of rice and they'd have half a cup of chili beans that would be in that cup of rice. It's very difficult to eat, but you know sometimes when I was over there, some of the food was maybe a little difficult for me to eat, but I I never went hungry. Um, I certainly didn't lose any weight. You guys can see that pretty obviously. Uh, I did get pretty sick from some of the food I ate early on in my ministry, but that was kind of my mistake. I. I was actually warned by the Indian pastor and I didn't really understand what he what he was saying and I didn't really take his warning to heart and that's part of the reason I got so sick but anyway the Lord takes care of us um, so we don't have to worry about it so we just go out and and trust the Lord to take care of us Whatever city you enter and they receive you, each, each such things as were set before you, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So Jesus purposely makes healing the sick here and miraculously hearing, healing the sick. These weren't doctors he was sending out that they had the knowledge to heal the sick naturally, but he's giving them the power uh, to heal the sick miraculously. And he purposely makes that part of their mission. And that was an important part of... Um, that early church and the mission of Jesus and those early disciples and apostles. And you remember when John the Baptist was, you know, doubting because he was thrown into prison. And what we can understand when John the Baptist was thrown into prison, why he might be doubting. Well, if Jesus is the Lord, why is he allowing me to languish here in prison? So he sends some disciples to Jesus saying, are you really the one? And what does Jesus reply? He replies from the Old Testament, the prophecies of the Old Testament, of that when he would come, he would heal the sick and give sight to the blind and heal the lame and 
the poor would have the gospel preached to them. So healing the sick was an important part of the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. It was very important at that change from the Old Testament to the New Testament to show people that this was the Christ, this was the Messiah, this was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. And so it is part of the mission of these 70, even though it's not a power that Christ necessarily uh, gives to us today. Now, a lot of times, uh, especially years ago, missionaries would always be taught uh, modern medicine, or at least the the medicine of their day. And so they would go and, by natural means, do their best to help out the sick and the poor, and in that way show Christ's love to others and make it a part of their ministry. But um, we, we need to be careful recognizing here that just because he gives this power and authority to these disciples, and he doesn't for a very good reason, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean we should expect that uh, all missionaries and all pastors will have the power from God to heal the sick miraculously. We still pray for the sick whenever we meet them, and that was a big part of, of uh, my life uh, overseas. Um, We'd, I, I'd have lines of people lined up for me asking me to pray for them and the Lord would answer some of those prayers and heal them and, and some of them he wouldn't although it was never done in such a miraculous way that someone just got up and started shouting and jumping around right there but I, I know he did answer some of those prayers and some of them he didn't so anyway but the, the more important part is uh, what are they supposed to be preaching the kingdom of God has come near to you so this is both a warning and a promise isn't it it's saying now is the time god is at hand the kingdom of god is near now is your opportunity to join it to to partake of it and so uh, law and gospel are both in that simple sentence uh, the kingdom of god is near to you you can repent and receive with joy this kingdom and the forgiveness of sins or you can ignore it and then you're going to receive judgment and you're going to miss out on this wonderful opportunity verse 10 but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in the day of Sodom for the, than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes but it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than, than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to the heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you hears me, he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So he sends them out to be lambs among wolves, right? Uh, he sends them out to preach the, the forgiveness of sins and the love of God. That's all true. But at the same time, for those who will not listen, Christ is very clear that we preach judgment. And that judgment is a, is a judgment of love. That's a preaching of love because we want them to repent. We want them to know that without that repentance, this is what's in store for you. Uh, so we are supposed to preach that judgment on those who will not hear it, and so are they. Uh, that the judgment of God is coming. And then verse 16 is also very important for all of us as we you know, try to live our lives in and to Christ and we try and share Christ with other people. 
not to take it too personally ourselves, right? Because Jesus says, he who hears you hears me, he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. And so when we share Jesus and somebody doesn't want to listen or they get upset or they call us names, it's very easy to get discouraged. It's very easy to think that, well, maybe I did something wrong. I have to figure out how to say it better or to do it better. Um, or it's easy to take it personally and think, oh, they hate me now or something like that. But it's it's all about Christ, really. And it's him working through us and it's his word working through us. And so we, we have to remember, okay, uh, it's not me they're rejecting, it's Christ. And it's not me they're listening to, it's Christ. So on the one hand, we don't want to uh, get too proud of ourselves, like look at what a good job I'm doing. I'm the one who's bringing all these people to faith or to repentance or whatever, uh, and kind of pat ourselves on the back on, in that sense. No, we recognize it's not us, it's the power of God's word. And then on the other hand, we don't want to get too down or rejected or despondent uh, when people won't listen, because again, uh, it's not me they're rejecting. It's in their pride and arrogance and selfishness. They're refusing to listen to the Lord and his word. It's it's all about him. Uh, and so we want to remember that. And it was important for the 70 as well. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So we can totally understand how the disciples return, and they're just amazed. Look at what we did. We were able to heal the sick and even cast out the demons. I'm sure that if the Lord gave to us that power, we would be you know, just as amazed, just as excited. Uh, look at the power I've got. And Jesus doesn't necessarily, you know, pour water on their fire you know he's happy for them and he 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 rejoices with them he said yes indeed i saw satan falling like lightning from heaven uh, as he went out preaching the word it just tore apart the kingdom that satan built up in, in israel and among his cities and uh, brought many people to faith and you're going to be able to trample on serpents and scorpions and you have power over everything and nothing can hurt you so uh, by all means uh, you know, rejoice in that. And, and us too, as we go out to share God's word, the, we don't necessarily, you know, think that, well, I, I can go into a pit, of, a pit of snakes and we don't have to worry about them. Uh, that would be the same mistake that, or the same sin that Satan tried to convince Jesus to do, right? He said, well, you know, you're the son of God. God's going to protect you so you can throw yourself off of a off of the temple and, and he will he'll protect you. He'll bear you up. And Jesus correctly responded, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Um, so even though we have the promise of God's protection, that doesn't mean that we foolishly just walk right into danger without any good reason. Uh, no, we, we avoid danger, you know, as much as we can, but at the same time, we're not afraid of it or the tactics that Satan uses, we're not afraid of the things of this earth because we know Jesus can and does protect us. Um, but even more than that, and that's the really important part, even more than all that, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And again, notice this is a, a passive verb. Your names are written in heaven. The, well, sorry, that's not a passive verb it, because names is the subject 
Um, so the names are written as actually an active verb. But it's it's passive in the sense of we're not the ones doing it, right? Uh, we didn't name, write our names in heaven, and the apostles didn't earn their way into heaven because of what great job they were doing as, as preachers. That's not what Jesus is saying. He said, no, your names are written in heaven. Who's the one who wrote it there? Well, you know, of course it was Jesus who wrote their names in heaven uh, through his blood and by his forgiveness. And so our names also are written in heaven, um, not because of what great apostles or disciples we are, but through Jesus's grace. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. Now, if the 70 were standing by and heard Jesus praying this, we don't know for sure that that's true. Um, we know where they were there, but if Jesus maybe prayed this to himself or just where a few of the apostles could hear, we don't know if the 70 heard it or not. But if the 70 did hear it, it might have been a little bit insulted. You just call us children? You just call us infants, Jesus? But <laughs> Jesus uh, correctly recognizes that these are not from an earthly standpoint. And that's what he's talking about. From an earthly standpoint, these are not the wise and powerful people. They're just normal, everyday people. And yet to them has been revealed the truth of the forgiveness of sins and salvation through Jesus Christ, even though the wise and powerful of the world has rejected it. And Jesus thanks God the Father for this. This is a good thing. And it's a good thing for a number of different reasons, but probably the most important is it's not something you have to be rich and powerful to get. It's not something you have to be wise to understand. A few of us can truly understand Einstein's full theory of relativity. We might kind of understand like this little bit of it that that we get taught in, in grade school and high school, and maybe even a little bit more in college. But to truly understand the full impact of of Einstein's theory of relativity, you have to be super smart and you have to study hard and probably get a doctorate degree, right? Well, the salvation of our souls is not something like that. Um, that is only revealed if, if we have enough money that we can buy it or if we're powerful enough or if we're smart enough. No, it is easily accessible even to the dumbest, uh, even to the lowliest of us. And you s that is a truth that Jesus uh, talks about elsewhere. And he sets a little child in their midst and says, um, "If you, whoever does not enter the kingdom of heaven as, a, as one of these little children, right? And so children are the example. And uh, little children often are much better at showing their faith in Jesus than, than adults are. Unfortunately, uh, we grow up and we become wise in the way of the world. And we kind of let that worldly wisdom we, that we think makes us adults get in the way of, of simple faith and trust in Jesus. Um, and the fears of, of being an adult kind of get in, our, get in the way of us serving Jesus. Uh, and so often it's the, the babes that profess Jesus better and little children that are, are better at sharing Jesus. And so what a wonderful thing uh, that the wisdom of God is revealed in a way that even little children can understand and rejoice in it. I mean, at the same time, there's plenty there for us to spend our whole life studying and learning and growing in, but the simple truth of our salvation is accessible even to the lowliest among us. Uh, verse 22, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. 
So part of the reason that it's it's accessible even to little children is because it is through the power of God that it is revealed to us. We, we wouldn't get it. We wouldn't understand it. We wouldn't accept it at all on our own. Uh, none of us would look at Jesus and say, oh, there's the Son of God. Uh, there's our Savior. And none of us would know the Father without Jesus, but it's only through the power of God and those to whom the Son reveals himself that then we see God. And then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you have seen. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you ha hear and have not heard it. And again, Jesus isn't talking about the miracles. Uh, prophets and kings did see miracles, and even greater miracles than the, than the 70 did. Uh, Elijah called down fire from heaven. Moses opened the Red Sea and saw the pillar of fire by day, or the pillar of, yeah, the pillar of cloth. Sorry, pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, and stood in the glory, the glory of God. Saw the burning bush. You know, we could go on and on. If you're talking about the miracles, kings and prophets did see those. But the thing that they didn't see, that they wished that that they longed to see, was Jesus Himself, and that's what He's talking about. Uh, rejoice, not that you're able to call down that you that you're able to cast out demons from people but rejoice uh, that this generation had this amazing opportunity to see jesus himself and to walk with him and to talk with him and uh, they get to see his death and his resurrection and receive the holy spirit on pentecost and be there for all these things that are the heart and soul of our faith and life what a wonderful opportunity that was for them. And to some degree to us also, um, we didn't see them with our own eyes, but we're certainly much better off than David and the prophets, or the kings and prophets of the Old Testament, because, you know, even though we didn't see it with our own eyes, we can read about it and see it through the eyes of the apostles and hear about all the things that Jesus did, whereas Moses, Abraham, Elijah, Noah, uh, they just had the vaguest shadows, the vaguest outlines. They, they knew that a Messiah would come. Uh, they knew a few things here and there, but they really didn't have the chance to look and to see what this would mean and what it is that Jesus would do uh, as we do. So sometimes we get, our, our sinful nature kind of gets in the way. Uh, and we think, oh, we don't need to go to Sunday school. We don't need to go to Bible class. We don't need to go to church on Sunday because we already know all this stuff. That's really just such a terrible and ridiculous attitude. Here we have the opportunity to hear again and again about the wonderful works of God in Jesus Christ our Lord and all that he did and said. And this wonderful treasure that we have. And we just kind of... Oh, you know, I heard that before. It's no big deal. Just kind of despise it and look down on it instead of relishing in joyfulness uh, this opportunity that we have. So you know, there's a there's good in law and gospel right there at the end that you know our sinful nature kind of gets bored uh, with Sunday school and with church, and we'd rather go home and and watch TV. It's far more exciting. And it seems like it's something new, but there's nothing as joyful or as wonderful as hearing again and again the wonderful works of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, especially the truth of the forgiveness of sins that he won for us. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson. Um, let me know if you have any questions.